All right, Randall, we are on the cusp of the trade deadline, just two days away as we get set to record here another edition of Behind the Yellow Line, a baseball podcast, episode number 29 for us. We got the full crew here tonight, Jeremy Spector from the north side of Chicago, Randall J. Sanders from beautiful Morton Grove, and myself, Ronan O'Shea. I am in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Lots to talk about on the show here. Mentioned we're getting close to that trade deadline. Another big Cubs player is on the move. Andrew Chafin out to the Oakland Elephants. We'll talk about who they are getting back. Two interesting prospects, an outfielder and a pitcher. We'll share some thoughts on that. We'll also speculate about what's going to happen here over the next 48 hours. As again, lots of names in the mix right now. Chris Byant, Anthony Rizzo, Zach Davies, who's on the mound as we're recording this. The Cubs at 50 and 52, nine and a half games out of first place. We'll talk about where the Cubs kind of go from here as well. We will look ahead to the upcoming road trip at Washington at Denver. Lots to talk about on that front. We've got weather from our buddies at Cubs Weather. And we'll look around the league. Lots of names on the move as we went to record tonight. Joey Gallo going to Yankee Stadium. So we're going to talk about all of that. Um, But before we get into all that, Jeremy, uh, it's looking very bright. We're recording a little bit earlier than we normally do. Normally you're in like a dark cave. Today you look like it's nice and bright. How are things in Chicago today? Oh, it's nice. Uh, You know, I'm sitting by a window. Got Got the light coming through. It's a little earlier. Uh, it's a nice night. And I also want to point out, you know, if we do get any breaking news on this podcast, Randall will chime in with a siren of a sort uh, to let us know a breaking news trade alert, whether it's Cubs, anything major, Max Scherzer. So to let that know. So, Randall, don't be quitting on us after, you know, the first segment. You got to be chiming in. The, the only siren will be my dulcet tones, but I do promise to chime in if anything breaks while we are recording. Jeremy, I want to make note here, too. You were at Wrigley Field last night, a loss against the Reds. Chris Bryant, though, with a ninth inning home run. We want to get your thoughts on that a little bit later. May have been the last time that you've seen Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and a couple other names in a Cubs uniform. You've seen some home runs, so I kind of want to get some thoughts from you also about the vibe at Wrigley Field right now. That's something that I've been curious about. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Randall, I'm hearing reports of a potential derecho coming to the north side today are you nervous are you sweating there no not especially because i will probably be asleep as that comes through and unless it completely blows out my bedroom window i will probably sleep right through it well jeremy you better be up i want updates i want pictures and videos i'm i'm a little jealous you guys are going to get some weather uh, tonight it is 100 degrees in denver there is thick smoke from California and Arizona wildfires. Jeremy, you're in for a real treat next week when you get out here and you see all the smoke in the air. Uh, But something really quick I just want to share with everybody before we get into all this Cubs stuff. And today's show, I'm a little worried he's going to be sad because all these players getting traded away and stuff. I had a really cool day today, though, and I just wanted to shout out a great nonprofit, Right On Sports. They're a national company. Uh, I was able to help out with their inaugural event today here in Denver. Uh, Basically, we had about 15 middle school, junior high age, at-risk students brought on campus at Metropolitan State University of Denver. And for two weeks, they get to participate in a free camp, a workshop where they get to work on their public speaking, podcasting, video interviewing. They got a tour last week of Coors Field. I thought that was really cool. The kids got to see the press box. Uh, But I had an opportunity today to present talking about podcasting And one of the guests with me today, two total guests with me, one was a fellow professor at MSU Denver, Dr. Kelly Evans. She was fantastic. The other, 
a former New York Yankee, Brian Fisher, a relief pitcher who came out. And Randall, the reason why I mentioned that is he and I got to talking a little bit before we got started. He is a gentleman who pitched primarily in the 1980s, 1985 and 86 with the New York Yankees, a couple of years in Pittsburgh, and then uh, the Houston Astros in Seattle to round out his career. So he got a little bit of the National League, a little bit of the American League. But I asked him, all right, be honest. He didn't know I was a Cubs fan when I asked this. I said, what was your favorite place to play baseball? Without a doubt, he said, pre-lights Wrigley Field. So he had an opportunity to do that in 1987 and parts of 1988. He never pitched in a night game at Wrigley Field. He mentioned that. And he said, especially in that era, a lot of the cookie cutter parks, Pittsburgh, a team he played for, uh, Cincinnati, another team that had that ashtray, basically ballpark. He said there was nothing like going to Wrigley Field. The fans were crazy. He meant that in a good way. But then he said something, Randall, and I was walking with this guy going, I wish Randall was here to hear it. I asked him, okay, other than Wrigley Field and the Cubs, like where was an awesome place to play baseball as a major leaguer in the late 1980s? Bush Stadium, Randall. And he said, quote, Cubs fans and Cardinals fans, they really are a lot alike. So I heard that. I was laughing. I thought it was great. And I just saw you fuming a thousand miles away in Illinois going, that's a ridiculous statement, something like that. Well, he, he's entitled to his opinion. I, I can't say I would agree with it. He had a really good point, too. I asked him about the Astrodome, a place he got to play, and he said that place was pretty cool. I asked him about Olympic Stadium, getting a chance to pitch in Montreal, and he gave a response very similar to Doug Glanville. If you've read Doug Glanville's book from a couple years ago, Doug talks about how weird it was playing in Montreal. Because, one, you're in a massive billion-dollar but dumpy stadium that's about 80% empty, Two, public address announcers speaking in French, and you walk down the street in Montreal and nobody really recognizes you. It just wasn't really a thing at that point. He said it was a bizarre place to play in. I asked him, where was the worst place to play baseball in? What do you think he said? Again, late 80s. Uh, boy, that's a great question. I have to I have to figure it's probably one of the really old like cookie cutter stadiums at that point. And we're already talking about Montreal, so it's probably not Olympic Stadium. Uh, give, give me a hint, AL or NL? It was an American League park. I'm going to guess. And it no longer Col stands. Oh, and it no longer stands. I was about to guess the Coliseum, but there goes that guess. Uh, I'm going to say the Kingdom, maybe. Okay, good guess. Jeremy, you got any? Uh, I was, I was going to say either Old Comiskey or Tiger Stadium. Interesting. Uh, Randall, on the money, Kingdom. right in Pearl Jam's backyard, the Old Kingdom up there in Seattle. He said it was an absolute dump. It was in terrible shape. I get these images, though, of Ken Griffey Jr. just going off in that place. It looked fun on TV, but I guess in person it was a pretty ugly place. And talk about an upgrade. What they've done in Seattle is a huge upgrade over what they had back then. Well, the current T-Mobile Park, very nice ballpark. I've visited there, but I have not seen a game there. And, you know, a lot of money will buy you a very nice ballpark. Seattle, a wonderful city to go visit. So you are correct. Uh, the current T-Mobile Park, a lovely place to go see a game. But uh, really cool to chat earlier today with Brian Fisher. I asked him, hey, come on the pod a little bit later on. Once you get past the trade deadline and everything, he's going to do that. We'll hear lots more stories about Wrigley Field in the 1980s. Uh, but pretty cool. You know, I, I was sort of surprised to spend the morning with a former major leaguer, had his Yankee jersey top on when he walked in. The kids were found that to be pretty cool. And uh, all in all, a good day. So tip of the cap to Brian Fisher and to Right On Sports, a great organization. Uh, this is episode number 29 of Behind the Yellow Line podcast. Randall, that is a number that has been uh, 
tied to a lot of Cubs over the last 20 years or so. Who are, who are some of the names that really stand out to you? Uh, well, Mike Baxter is an interesting name because it's funny. He was on, I'm pretty sure, the 2015 Cubs, but nobody remembers him because there were a lot better players on the team that led that year. Uh, a, a frequent listener of ours, Stan Miller, of course, whom we mentioned most episodes because he is one of our most vocal listeners. He brought up Mike Baxter. He also brought up Chica Walker, and he named a player whom he insinuated as my personal favorite, that being Brad Brock, the failed reliever signing. So, Ronan, I know you've got the uh, the list in front of you. I think 29 is another one of those journeyman numbers. It's just been kind of passed from player to player uh, from year to year. I, I feel like there haven't been a whole lot of notable 29s in recent history. Wow, yeah, whoa, I'm whoa, with whoa. you there. You got the shark, there's a man. big one. That that's oh, okay. That's not right. that's not recent history at this point. That's 2008 to 2014. Okay, I I guess I, we're I old, mean, man. That's <laughs> that's not recent. We are <laughs> that we are old, but that's closer to being a decade ago than to not being a decade ago. Like that's right. that's on years at this point. That's I I I I give it up for the shark, man. I he probably owns that number more than anybody else. I mean, what six seven years coming up on the, the bullpen, then converting to a starter, very good starter, all star. Uh, got back a huge trade. You know, he got back Aston Russell and uh, Billy McKinney, who they used to trade for Rolls Chapman. So, you know, I, I give it all to Samarji. He was a good cup. I'll give you some names, though, that predate Jeff Samarja in the last 30 years or so. Robin Jennings, you remember him in the late 90s. Jeff Hewson, the current uh, color analyst for the Colorado Rockies. Robert Machado, who was back behind the plate. Fred McGriff, you talk about some big-time mid-season trades the Cubs have made in their history. Nabbing Fred McGriff in 2001 was one of them. A couple other notable names, Lenny Harris, Josh Paul, Ray Ordonez back in 2004, Ben Grieve, Mike Fontenot, and one of the best names, I think, in baseball history, Angel Pagan. So uh, great to see all of those names in there. A um, couple other recent names, Rob Zastrinsky, Jorge De La Rosa, Shelby Miller, and currently Robinson Chirinos, the Cubs catcher who's now back and doing wonderful things in a Cubs uniform. So good stuff there with 29, but I'm with you, Jeremy. Shark's the way to go. I thought he was a, a fun player in his time with the Cubs, and he really owned that number in the last 30 years. You know, Angel Pagan, a, a favorite player of the late Ron Santo. Santo had his, his favorite players uh, when they were on the team. He just kind of latched on to these guys. Angel Pagan was one of those players. Uh, Angel Pagan hit his first two big league home runs in the same game. And I want to say it was in a Cubs White Sox game. And Ron Santo was, was very pleased. Like one of his, his own children or grandchildren had just hit a pair of home runs in front of him. So Santo had his favorite guys and Angel Pagan number 29 was one of them. And, you know, we got a big show coming up next time. Number 30. And there are some names that we're going to throw out there as we continue to get that going. We've got about 70 more until this game is going to run out on us. So we're going to make the most of it. Um, but let's talk about what's going on with the Cubs right now. Joey Votto is just hitting home runs all over Wrigley Field. As we record this, the Cubs are losing to the Reds here on Wednesday night. But everything in the Cubs world right now is trade deadline. 
who's going, what prospects are coming back. And uh, last time we were talking about Jock Peterson, who got sent out to the Atlanta Braves. Jeremy, a player that you said without question was going to be traded, relief pitcher Andrew Chafin. He goes to Oakland, uh, becomes a big part of their bullpen as they make a push for a pennant. Some interesting prospects coming back for the Cubs. You've got an outfielder, Greg Dykeman, a uh, AAA outfielder, and a low A right-handed pitcher, 21-year-old Daniel Palencia. You look at this trade, you saw half a season left of Andrew Chafin here with the Cubs on a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Pretty good haul back, I think, and what they got from Oakland here. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good haul. I mean, Andrew Chafin is not, you know, an elite, you know, end of game pitcher like uh, Craig Kimbrell. So you're not looking to get a huge uh, haul back. Uh, he doesn't have like dominant stuff that most teams I think are looking for a relief pitcher, but he's been pretty solid. He can pitch to both sides from the left side. So that's, that's valuable. So, you know, if you're going to get a guy's back, Greg Dykeman's a guy who probably will, you will see probably at some point, maybe even this year, uh, depending on who's traded uh, for the, uh, in the major league roster. Now he's already 26 years old, but you also have to keep in mind, like last year was not a season. So there was no real development time. And reportedly Greg Dykeman actually played pretty well at the Oakland's alternative site. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, I'm actually a little bit familiar with just from being at LSU. He was a star player at LSU. He had tons of power. He had 19 homers his last year at LSU. He was their stud. They went to the college world series. So he's a guy that's always kind of had power. And oddly it hasn't really shown up as a professional baseball player. That power hasn't been there, even though you could see him on, at batting practice, just roping balls across the raw power is there. It hasn't shown up as usable power in games. So if the Cubs can try to find a way to unlock something there, he's decreased his uh, strikeout rate this season, increased his contact, uh, increased his walk rates, but his power still hasn't really come. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if there's something he's sacrificing some power to try not to strike out as much. So if the if the Cubs can uh, find something there, he might be a pretty uh, usable player. I was thinking kind of like a Chris Coglin, where he actually did play some infield in college at third base. He's had some first base in uh, Oakland system. He's played all three outfield spots in Oakland system, center field, left field, right, right field. He's not like a great defender, but he's, he's a good enough defender. So you know, he's a guy, he'll probably contribute a little bit at some point uh, more. I mean, I, I'm more confident in him being a Chicago Cub at Wrigley Field than I am the other kid, Daniel Palencia. But he Palencia probably has more upside, you know, being a 21-year-old who's throwing 100 miles per hour. I don't know as much about him, but uh, it, it's an interesting trade, I think. I think to get back two guys, one guy who's kind of near ready to perform at one point and one guy who's farther away but high upside, I, I think that's pretty good for uh, Andrew Chafin. What do you think here, Randall? You know, uh, Jeremy, you made a good point about his age. 26 years old does seem a little old to be at AAA without ever having made the majors. But again, it's a lost year for a lot of minor leaguers last year where, you know, the guy might have been, would have been 25 years old at AAA. And that's a little more within what we consider the, the realm of normalcy. But yeah, this is a good piece to get back in exchange for, you know, half a season of a middle reliever. Uh, teams are desperate for bullpen help and you just hope you can get back something of some value to help bolster your system. And the Cubs did, and they got not one, but two pieces back. So this is a really good return. Relatively speaking, it's not going to you know light up any prospect lists, but for what you traded away, which is again, half a season of uh, a setup reliever, this is a good return. There's two potentially very useful pieces here. 
Jeremy, something that always happens here when guys get traded and you're looking at prospects is they always tie it back to major leaguers or even Hall of Famers sometimes. I was always laughing about that during the MLB draft this year. It's like, holy cow, you're comparing this guy to who? That guy's been in the Hall of Fame for 40 years. Like, pump the brakes here. This guy hasn't even pitched an inning in pro ball yet. Um, but a name that, that you were bringing up yesterday was Chris Coglin for someone like Greg Dykeman. I mean, what you see in there that made that connection come to you? Well, to be honest, and it's funny because uh, Brian Smith tweeted out the same kind of comp, comp, and I was thinking about it like the day before, and I was just thinking about it. Well, one, they're, they, you know, some of it is just, you know, just, uh, you know, odd bio characteristics as they're both SEC guys. Chris Coughlin went to Ole Miss. Uh, Greg Diamond went to LSU. They both have played the infield. I mean, they're outfielders, but they've primarily played the infield. They had, uh, you know, they're, they're both very powerful. They had kind of similar swings. Uh, they have a lot of power, but they, they never really, I mean, Coughlin had a monster uh, rookie year where he was able to win rookie year, but it never really kind of came around for him. He went, uh, he got, you know, he was like, go by the Marlins. He was, he was trying to catch around. He was a journeyman. Finally, he came back with the Cubs as like a 27 year old, 28 year old, an older guy. Uh, and he was able to put back a little, he was able to, you know, contribute a little bit. And it just felt like Greg Dykeman's kind of a similar player. He's an older age, but he can play all different types of positions, all different outfield spots. Maybe he can contribute in the infield. He has that power. Um, so I don't know. It just, just felt like, a, a. I mean, sometimes you like to give comps to guys. A lot of times they're completely unfair. Everybody's different. So you can't really compare everybody, but uh, you know, I just, I just had that feeling. Uh, Jeremy mentioned Brian Smith, the great prospects writer for the good people at Bleacher Nation. You can find him on Twitter at Cub Prospects, goes through hours of film each night, brings you the best highlights from the system each night. Definitely give him a follow if you don't already. The Chris Coglin comparison is interesting because the the downside of guys like that is that uh, – the, the danger is that they potentially end up as these kind of tweeners where you don't have quite have the glove to play center. You don't quite have the power in your bat to slot in in the traditional offensive profile for a corner outfielder. Um, and you, you kind of end up in this in-between zone. And I don't want to put that on uh, Mr. Dykeman without ever hit, without him having with him having only been in the system for a couple of days, but that's the potential pitfall of that kind of profile of player. So hopefully the Cubs can unlock some of that uh, raw power in the scouting report and he can develop uh, higher home run totals to go with what you traditionally expect out of a corner outfielder from an offensive standpoint. Well, I would just say that if Greg Dykeman provided what Chris Coughlin provided to the 2015-2016 Cubs, I think you'd be very happy with this trade. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to downplay Chris Coughlin, who was a guy who could right, play the corner right. outfield. He had some power. He was a, a very useful bench player. And if you can get that for a, season, a half season of Andrew Chafin, that's a good trade. Those players have to come from somewhere. And getting them from trading a reliever is a whole lot better than having to pay them a couple million dollars or uh, trade better assets to get them. So, you know, if he's able to develop into that kind of fourth outfielder, you're right. That's a great outcome. You know, lots of positive memories of Chris Conklin. He was a fun player to watch. Even in 2014, a team that was, you were starting to see flash of what was going to be coming for the Cubs for the next half decade or so. Um, he hit 16 home runs for the 2015 Cubs. That said, I still think the most defining moment of his career came after his Cubs days when he was with Toronto, that game in St. Louis where he leapt over Yachty. One of the coolest plays you'll ever see in baseball. It, does anything top that? I mean, that's the one that stands out to me. Well, I mean, he didn't win Rookie of the Year, so <laughs> for him, Good that point. might top that. Yeah, but, but he did it with the, he did it with the Marlins. About plays, though, like, right, like right. iconic plays. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Chris um, Coughlin, not the first person or the last person to go to extreme lengths to get away from Yachty or Molina. 
Oh gosh, Randall, your guy. Just coming after the St. Louis uh St. Louis comments, man. Coughlin was fun though. Uh, and, and one of those guys that, especially when he came back in 2016, uh, was a spark plug for the Cubs. And, and you talk about a guy, if you were on the 2015 and 2016 Cubs, you're in very good hands. Historically, those were probably two that, well, two of the most enjoyable teams, certainly in our lifetime, uh, but two of the best ever in Cubs history. Yeah. I mean, they won a, uh, 200 games. You, I mean, you don't I find a whole lot of back-to-back seasons in which the Cubs franchise won 200 games across two seasons. You don't find no. too many of those. As we bid adieu to Andrew Chafin, uh, any distinct memories? I mean, we all loved him. He absolutely made himself into a fan favorite. Sad to see him go, even though this is in the best interest of the team long term. Uh, But Randall, do you have a moment or anything about his time as a Cub that just is going to stick with you forever? Just the, the fun he had doing just about everything. You could always find him in the outfield during batting practice putting on some kind of look with his, his obvious shirts, failed starter, the, the sunglasses, finding the photographer, pulling the sunglasses down with the, that colossal mustache. You know, he's a, he's a, a content creator, he, videos of his, his farm, his fishing boat that he bought, or he'd take teammates out on off days and they'd go fishing. Uh, we of course remember him looking for a smaller vehicle uh, at the start of the season because his giant truck was too big for Chicago streets. Just a guy who was happy to be here and loved playing in Chicago. And on the field, uh, there I think a, a pair of plays on back-to-back nights, Nico Horner making plays at second base for Chafin both nights. And Chafin just talking about how they're playing the two-man game out there. And a, a play, I want to say, in San Francisco where Chafin uh, ended up on the ground on a ground ball, the play was made. And the enduring image of that is Chafin looking out towards his infielder, sitting on the pitcher's mound, uh, giving him a thumbs up. So just, just a guy who seemed to be enjoying everything he did on a baseball diamond. Yeah. For me, I think it would, it would be earlier this year. Uh, uh, maybe even the first game, the Cubs played against the Brewers. It was a game where Trevor Williams had a great start, but the Brewers were kind of threatening a little bit. And Andrew Chafin came in and he faced the middle of that lineup. And I believe he struck out the side in the eighth inning. And that was just a huge moment. Uh, and I, I just remember, you know, thinking that, oh, okay, the Cubs, you know, we got some stuff here. So uh, that to me, will, well, I mean, he's a guy who, who really wasn't around that long. I mean, he traded from the second half of a half season last year. He came back. He was hurt when they traded for him. So you, you really didn't get that much from him even last year. And then, you know, a couple months this year. But he's a guy who kind of endeared himself to Wrigley Field and the Cubs fans, uh, especially as Randall mentioned, his social media content. So uh, He's a fun guy. I will, I'd be sad to see him gone, but uh, he's a guy that I think it was a good trade, so I'm not too terrible, terribly sad about it. Yeah, I, I, the Cubs got what they needed out of it, I think, here. Um, when I think back on him, the most important thing is he was very effective at his job, and that's the most important thing that matters to me when it comes to Cubs players. Did you do what you were supposed to do on the field? He did that consistently in his time here in Chicago. But from just a fun standpoint, I love the look, the mustache, the shaggy hair. He looks like a player from a different era. I've been watching a lot of old This Week in Baseballs. You can watch them now on MLB TV. So watching This Week in Baseballs from the 80s and the 70s, it's like Andrew Chafin would fit in perfectly with these guys. So I welcome the mustache. I think it's good for baseball when you can put that on a guy who's also very effective. That's a lot of fun. And of all the teams he could have gone to, I got no issues with Oakland, and I think he's a great fit there. I hope he does well there. Uh, Oakland's a team for many, many years now. If it's not going to be the Cubs, they're a team I'd love to see win a World Series. Uh, so maybe he can help make that happen, and we'll see where his career also goes from here. But uh, fare thee well, Andrew Chafin, and thanks for all the great memories here as a Chicago Cub. 
before we move on to the upcoming series, the Cubs maybe will be playing the Nationals this weekend. We'll talk about that and the Colorado series. I uh, just wanted to see here as we're 48 hours away from the trade deadline. Randall, how are you feeling, man? That rumor mill is really churning. Every day we're hearing about Chris Bryant. There was a story today about Anthony Rizzo's dad walking through Wrigley Field and thanking all the ushers for how they treated his son. You got to be going crazy with everything that's out there right now. You know, no, because I do a pretty good job of filtering it out and really, really tailoring what I consume this time of year. There's so much noise out there, but it's also really easy if you know how to use the tools to keep most of it out of your orbit. The thing about Rizzo's dad saying thank you to the team employees, come on, come on. Rizzo's dad lives in Florida. Rizzo's a free agent after this season. It could very well be the last time that Rizzo's parents are at Wrigley with Rizzo as a cub. It's Rizzo's dad. Of course, he's going to thank people. That's what dads do, especially when you're Anthony Rizzo's dad. There's a lot of joy there. If you're Anthony Rizzo's dad, you're going to thank you're going to thank your little boys, teachers and friends when you're at school with him. So I think, yeah, I I read absolutely nothing into that. Not not even a little bit. Um, Yeah, the rumors, they don't do much for me. I I try and avoid them. I I really do. I think they ultimately provide a whole lot of undue noise and a whole lot of undue chaff. And I think it obscures the really important things and makes it difficult to discern what's actually happening from what some people wish were happening or claim are happening. And there's certainly no way to legislate this. There's no way to stop it. But if there were some way to tell people, cut it out, I'd like to look into that. Wow. I love it, Randall. Yeah, Passion is just pouring yeah. out of you. Just come. Randall, I had a question, though. Um, since you're experienced, how often are you thanked by uh, dads as you talk about thanking the teachers of their little boys? You know, the parents do thank me. They do say occasionally that the the programs I do, that their kids love them. I got one of those just today. So it does not happen as often. I don't work with Anthony Rizzo, nor have I met Anthony Rizzo's dad. You never know the next Anthony Rizzo, Randall. Anthony Rizzo, probably a little old for a lot of the programs I do. But uh, yeah, it does happen. Did you get a thanks from Mr. Ricketts? Uh, No, no, that was many years ago. And I never had the uh, pleasure, quote unquote, of meeting Mr. Ricketts at that time. Complete oh, disrespect there from Tommy and the boys for not uh, Randall. You should have gotten a cake, a big cake with the number 22 on it, a Cubs logo. For, I should have gotten at least some tickets there. out of it. I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. Well, tickets may be easy to come by here. Uh, Jeremy, you've been out at Wrigley Field over the last week or so. I've been a bit surprised by attendance numbers, low 30,000s or so the last couple of games. You're in the bleachers last night. Cubs lose to the Reds. You get to see Chris Bryant knock one out of the ballpark in the ninth inning. I asked it last night. Was that Chris Bryant's last home run as a Chicago Cub? Yeah, I I, I went Sunday and last night. Uh, I saw Bryant and Rizzo homer each of those nights. Uh, I asked it on Sunday, and then they did it again on uh, whether it'd be the last time I saw him homer. And then he did it again uh, last night. Uh, it's interesting. Last night's attendance was only like twenty nine thousand. Um, in the bleachers, though, bleachers still kind of feel. You know, they don't really feel much different. They might be a little bit less packed than they were for, say, you know, the Cardinal series I went to a month ago. But I, you can kind of see it in the in the grandstands or in the, you know, underneath and where the real emptiness. And last night, you know, once it got to seven two, that place emptied out pretty good. Still a lot of booze for Amir Garrett. Uh, you could you could hear that coming in the ninth, but that was only for about a half capacity crowd. Uh, so. Uh, it's been interesting and it, you know, I, I made sure to stick around and stay. I mean, I always stay, but I made sh- really make sure to, you know, stick around and stay for, to see Chris Bryant get that at bat in the ninth inning, Anthony Rizzo after that, Chris Bryant, I was just hoping I'm like, 
this is this is this could be the last time I ever see Chris Bryant uh, at Wrigley Field in the Cubs uniform at the game. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, I, you know, and when he hit that home run, I, I, I was, I gave him, you know, I gave him a standing O when he came up to the plate because I thought this might be my last time seeing him. I got to give him my appreciation. He hits the home run. I was going nuts. Then Rizzo comes up. Rizzo, I want back to back, but Rizzo walked. Uh, I'll still appreciate it, but yeah, it's a little sad. It's, it's seeing those guys. It's, I don't want them to be traded. I, I will understand it if they are traded, if they get, I assume they'll get something pretty big, uh, big back because all the reporting seems to be, I know Randall doesn't like that type of stuff, but all the reporting seems to be that the Cubs have some really high asks on guys. Like there was a report that the Boston Red Sox are very interested in bringing Rizzo back, but the ask on Rizzo is very high. And, and some of the other reports of some of the other players, the Cubs have even brought Brian. I mean, there was a report the other day that the, Cubs are like looking at Joey Bart, which wow. won the top prospects in all of baseball from the Giants. That would be a huge get for Chris Bryant. So like the asks seem to be pretty high. So I will understand if somebody agrees to something like that, why you would make that trade when you're 10 games out. But it will be sad to, to see a Chris Bryant trade. You know, and funny, Jeremy, to my point, uh, the, the, the cub, the report, the Cubs are interested in Joey Bart comes out in the evening, the very next morning report, the giants aren't interested in moving Joey Bart. None of these people know anything. Come on. They, they hear whispers. They hear wow. crumbs. They get agents and GMs trying to, I, I'm let... going to crash back on that. I, I think okay. there's, there's, I don't, I, when you say none of these people know anything, I don't, I don't believe that to be true. I think, okay. I, what, I mean, what's wrong true. with a tweet from John Morosi who says he has a source saying the Cubs are evaluating, uh, Joey Bart in a possible trade. I mean, that doesn't mean that they're they're like that's who they're going to get or the Giants are willing. That means that's just who the Cubs are evaluating. I mean, sure. we saw then, from when the Astros got hacked and all their their texts were leaked. They had some major asks on guys, like major ask, and everybody looked. Oh, the Astros are so dumb. Why would you ever ask for these guys? But like that's what teams do. You don't, you have to start a negotiation somewhere, and who knows who says yes. So I I, I push back on you saying like that's just not like. Nobody knows anything. I, I don't believe I'm, that. I'm not disputing that the Cubs, I'm sure, are interested in Joey Bart, who is 24 years old, OPSing over 900 at AAA for the Giants this year. He'd probably be up if the Giants didn't have a half decent catcher of their own. But <laughs> by your own by your own admission, it, what does it mean? It means the Cubs are interested in good players. Teams want good players. I don't think any of it means anything. I think it means that the I mean, teams just, are talking. I mean, to you one. don't you don't know. I mean, you can mean a trade. Could just just because Chris Bryant could have multiple players. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But I, a nugget of information that it doesn't mean it's not true, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. I'm not saying it's not true, but I, I am pretty committed. Well, to you the did fact say it's that not true. You said nobody. Okay, fine. I will commit to the fact that it's not true. Uh, I'll also commit to the fact that I don't think it means anything. I think it means that, yes, teams have high asks, which, again, that's it just seems like we're stating the obvious here. It just seems like we're stating team interested in player over and over again, a hundred different ways. I just feel like it, it doesn't really add anything to the ecosystem, but more noise. So you, you just like it people, if there's not nothing and then trades announced, like I'm the John Peterson that. trade. I am not they, against that. There's like I nothing, said, you don't want any info, just, just I want nothing out there and then trades. I'm not against that. I, need. I just bit. need to know what actually happens. I'm not against that one bit. I said on Twitter earlier this week, when the time comes where we lose a piece of this core, do not tell me at 9 a.m. that the trade market for Chris Bryant is heating up and then tell me at midnight that he's been traded. Don't you do it, Rosenthal. <laughs> Don't you do it, Passon. I will find you. Don't do it. Well, when, when that time comes, when that time comes, give it to me all at once 
and leave me to process. It's like in Moneyball where Brad Pitt says to Jonah Hill, like, look, do you want, do you want to sit there and die slowly or just want it all at once? Just strike me, strike me with lightning out of the blue once and leave me to process. Don't make it a slow burn. Don't make it a, don't make it a, a, a day long process all at once. That's how I want it. Well, we certainly live in a time where news is instantaneous, and it's a lot of gamemanship that we're seeing right now. Media members are getting fed news from front office executives, from agents, from other people that they're connected with. They're all trying to get the scoop on top of each other. And uh, I, I think there's some value, Randall, in us as fans stepping back a little bit. It's going to play out the way it does. But I also see the appeal for people who follow this stuff every minute of the day, especially leading up to the deadline here this year on the 30th. And um, though I got to say, Randall, that that rant you just went on there, which is beautiful, that is exactly why today's at BTYL podcast poll was drafted up earlier. The question today, and we do ask you to go out on Twitter, give us a follow at BTYL podcast and cast your vote in today's poll question. Who is your favorite behind the yellow line host? Your two options, Randall J. Sanders and Randall J. Sanders. So please cast your vote now. Again, we're on Twitter at BTYL podcast. But uh, Jer- uh, Randall, when you get past this trade deadline on the 30th, I can see you just popping open a nice ice cold blue Gatorade, maybe got a Portillo sandwich there, and you're ready to just enjoy the final two months of the baseball season without all the noise. You know, some version of that is probably going to be my Friday night. You're, you're not wrong at all. Ronan, my one question about the poll that one of you put up on the Twitter account that you just mentioned, why is yes. one of the options I, I think, with my middle initial in quotes? I think you is can this, figure out which one that was. Yeah. Is this like a, like a mirror universe thing, Jeremy, that that's for you. Is this like a mirror universe thing where the, the, the one in quotes is the mirror universe and I'm a little curious what like mirror universe me would look like. Cause the, the signifier is always a beard but I already have a beard. So maybe mirror universe me is like clean shaven. And that's how you can tell. I'm just curious what the, what the thought process was with the two options. Well, um, one, it didn't let me only put one in the poll. I wanted okay. just one question. So it could just be Randall J Sanders, but number two, I do think there are two different Randall J Sanders. And if you're watching a Cubs, particularly against divisional opponent, you will see the two Randall J Sanders play out. There's the Randall who's posting pictures of sunsets and clouds and retweeting national geographic and, and all that good stuff. And then there's the Randall when some eight hitter on the Milwaukee Brewers hits a three run home run up at AmFam Field. The Randall that comes out at that point, that's Randall J. Sanders. So I'll let the fans, you know, do what they need to do there. But uh, you definitely have some different personalities depending on the score in the ballgame. You know, Ronan, it's funny you say that. Uh, Jeremy, you were present for this, the famed Hayward walk off Grand Slam three seasons ago. I, of course, was there. I was sitting next to Jeremy. Uh, I went into work the next morning and I was a little short of voice for obvious reasons because I had left all my voice at Wrigley Field. And one of my coworkers, who was uh, a, a little oblivious sometimes, but otherwise a, a very bubbly individual, she heard me rasping a little bit and she said, Randall, what's wrong with your voice? And I said, oh, I was at Wrigley last night and it was a, a really big game and they won really exciting fashion. And uh, I lost my voice a little bit shouting. And she goes, really? I can't ever see you doing that. So sports, get her your Twitter. Sports are where yeah. I get out most of my, my strongest emotions, both for good and for ill. I just want to say it wasn't just the Jason Hayward home run that tore Randall's voice. 
<laughs> he was very mad at fifth inning or so when Joe Madden pulled uh, Jose Quintana, I believe. And oh. so there was a lot of yelling at Joe Madden as well. well I wasn't going to tell the whole story. Like you got to condense occasionally. Was, but yes. Was, yes, Jeremy. I shouted at a lot of things that night for a lot of reasons. There was a lot of shouting. Yeah. I like when Randall shouts at the ball games. It's one of the things I miss most about being out here in Denver and not getting to as many games at Wrigley with Randall. Um, two more games for the Cubs this week at Wrigley. They're playing the Reds right now. Um, as we record this, they're down two nothing. I'm going to say they come back and win this ball game tonight. So it wraps up tomorrow with Thursday afternoon matinee at Wrigley. Then a pretty interesting road trip here. It is supposed to be three games at Washington this weekend. But Randall, that's a team really struggling with a COVID-19 outbreak right now. They had a ball game canceled earlier today. So some uncertainty going into the weekend when we thought, okay, Washington, apparently everybody's for sale. Uh, this is a team that has underperformed this year. They're moving on from some of the guys on the roster. So who knows, one, if these games are even going to get in, and two, what that Nationals roster is going to look like when the Cubs get to our nation's capital. Ronan, there's a lot of questions there because uh... – a lot of guys, including their star shortstop, Trey Turner, are going to be in quarantine uh, two days from now. Uh, so that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be an interesting series if they play it. They do ostensibly have a doubleheader scheduled with the Mets uh, tomorrow, Thursday. We will see if that gets played, if they can get uh, a whole bunch of players from uh, AAA to Washington or to wherever the game is being played in time. Um, so, yeah, that'll be, that will be interesting. And um, now it should be noted. The nationals are one of the teams that are at or above the 85% vaccination threshold. Uh, and it, because of that, this outbreak is actually not as bad as it could have been. Dave, Davey Martinez, of course, the former cub, former cub coach, current nationals manager said that nobody is severely ill. Most guys aren't experiencing anything worse than a, a minor head cold. And that's good that, you know, it's even when there is a, a spread of this virus within a vaccinated clubhouse, it reduces the, uh, the symptoms and it reduces how long people are going to have to be out by a great deal. And that's why it's very important that as many people get vaccinated as possible. The Cubs, sadly, are not at that 85% threshold and they're unlikely to get there. But this is why not only does it prevent illness in a lot of cases, but when illness does happen, it reduces the severity of the symptoms and the length of the illness. So all, all good reasons to get vaccinated. And you just wish that yeah. pro athletes in general were a little better at that sort of thing. But of course, as you remind me all the time, pro athletes come from all backgrounds, all walks of life. And it's, it's just not that easy sometimes. You think the Cubs are going to get above the threshold after a bunch of guys get traded here? I mean, it's a real possibility in the second half you know, of the season. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't rule it out uh, addition by subtraction in the vernacular. Already one guy is not with the big league club as, as other jettisonings happen and other trades potentially happen. It's possible that by taking out uh, certain players in aggregate, you go up uh, a couple of percentage points. So that's, uh, that's Gallo's humor at its finest, but it is also not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, and uh, the Nationals are um, supposedly playing a doubleheader tomorrow. I don't, uh, so we we don't really know. And uh, I think most of the guys that are sick were guys who got the Johnson Johnson vaccine in Randall's favorite city of St. Louis. Um, so that so maybe there was something there. It seems like the Johnson Johnson's really the one that, uh, you know, the Yankees got affected by it. So we'll see. But uh, and Max Scherzer probably. You know, reportedly is not going to be around uh, for when the Cubs are there. Uh, he's, they're going to go to they're saying he might even go tonight. So to the NL West. 
So it should be an interesting series if it, it even gets played. Yeah, that's that's a team that's for for multiple reasons now is in transition as much as the Cubs are going to be. So it's going to be two kind of swarms of players coming in, going out, meeting this weekend. Uh, so those will be three very interesting games just to see who sees the field. So after the three in D.C. this weekend, much needed day off for the team on Monday. Then three right here in Denver. Lots to talk about there. Before that, though, Randall, you've got weather provided by at Cubs Weather. What are we looking for in D.C. and Denver next week? All right. As usual, we have weather provided by good friend of the podcast, Alexander Hall, whom, as always, you can find on Twitter at Alexander Hall and his alter ego that he shares with two under two other individuals, Colin and Andrew at Cubs weather. And uh, Ronan mentioned earlier, there is some weather set to come through the Chicagoland area tonight. You can follow at Cubs weather for those up, those updates overnight as well. He's always happy to provide uh, radar and uh, other updates as he gets them. So the series vibe for the series in Washington, assuming it gets played, is not bad at all for the transition into August in D.C. In fact, I quote, downright beautiful Friday and especially Saturday evening. Washington, D.C. climatologically is basically a southern city. The humidity there is no joke. I've been there in the summer. It is something. So it sounds like it's not going to be uh, particularly bad in D.C. this weekend. The Friday night game, a 6.05 p.m. Central Time start. Temperatures in the mid-80s, falling into the mid to upper 70s. Clear skies, becoming less humid as the day and evening wear on, with a cross breeze out to the right side at 5 to 10 miles per hour. The Saturday night game, another 6.05 p.m. start Central Time. Low 80s to start with very comfortable humidity and clear skies, and a light cross breeze out to left at 5 miles per hour. The Sunday game, a noon Central Time start, Warming into the mid 80s, more humid with a slight chance for a thunderstorm and a light breeze out to center field, right field at five to 10 miles per hour. From there, the Cubs hop the team plane and they fly out to Ronan's home city of Denver, Colorado, the mile high city, home of Dinger and Coors Field. The series vibe for Denver and Ronan, you're going to probably hear this and go, yeah, this is just a typical week for me. Pretty standard late summer Colorado things with near daily isolated to scattered thunderstorms along the front range. A little drier and cooling more quickly at night than we're used to in Chicago and, as Alexander notes, his home city of New York, where it was a balmy 88 degrees when they were at a Braves-Mets game uh, at City Field just a few nights ago. As in D.C., either of the evening games in the series look pretty nice. Now, he does note that we are 8 to 10 days out right now. That can affect the forecast, of course. Forecasts always in a state of flux. Heavier rain may occur just ahead of this series over the weekend in Denver. And the National Weather Service Denver is forecasting above average precipitation in the six to 10 day range for parts of Colorado. So we'll have to keep an eye on the trends to make sure that Tuesday to Thursday period dries out a bit as it seems like it will at this point. So for the Tuesday game in that series, a 7.40 p.m. start central time, low 80s to start a slight chance for a thunderstorm, light winds out to the left field corner at five to 10 miles per hour. The Wednesday night game, another 7.40 p.m. Central Time start. Temperatures in the mid-80s to start with continued comfortable humidity. Light winds out to the left field corner again at 5 to 10 miles per hour. And then finally, the Thursday game at 2.10 p.m. Central Time in that Denver midday sun. Temperatures in the upper 80s with a slight uptick in humidity and a chance for a thunderstorm. Winds will be light and variable. So that is the forecast for the upcoming series in Washington, D.C. and in Denver, courtesy again of Alexander Hall at Alexander Hall of Cubs Weather at Cubs Weather. And we appreciate Alexander's uh, weather contributions to the podcast each and every week. 
really good stuff there. And I got to say, thank you, Alexander Hall. He was looking after me today. And you know who doesn't ever look out for me? Randall J. Sanders. So thank you, Alexander Hall. He sent me a note today. Denver International Airport hit a high of 99 degrees today. That is a new record high here on Denver for today. The previous record was 98 degrees set back in a very important year for Cubs fans. 1876, four days before Colorado became a state. So brutally hot here. He was asking how I was doing. I said, it's brutal. I mean, um, right outside of my apartment, I live downtown, concrete, right? The heat radiating off that ground is offensive, Randall. It's like a whole room full of Cardinals fans breathing at you. Horrible and uh, very, very uncomfortable. But one thing Alexander did say is we got some rain in the forecast this weekend. So hopefully get some rain in here, clear out the air. The other thing that we're really being choked by right now are forest fires in Arizona and California. State of Colorado doing a pretty good job up to this point managing their fires but we're getting a ton of smoke from elsewhere. And I saw you guys were affected by it as well. The smoke's getting all the way to Illinois. So you can imagine how bad it is for us here in Denver right now. Uh, I'm hoping things are all right next week and uh, we can at least get some nice nights of baseball out of the beautiful ballpark. Yeah, Ronan, we weren't getting wildfire smoke from you necessarily. And I could tell that because the wildfire smoke was not making funny noises. Uh, ours actually comes down on the jet stream from wildfires in Canada, which... Oh. Yeah, which is bad in and of itself. It feels like the entire continent is on fire sometimes. Um, but yes, we were affected a little bit by the wildfire smoke uh, last week. It was making sunny days a little more hazy. And um, yeah, it's just not great. You know, it's, it happens every time, every, every year around this time, but it's it's not great. And it affects more than just the the acres upon acres upon acres of fire that are under siege right now. And it's, it's brutal. And you see some of the burn areas, something you got to deal with after the burn the next year and the year after that are mudslides. Once you get rain in areas where the trees have been ripped out, uh, I-70, the main highway that cuts through Colorado east to west near Glenwood Springs, one of my favorite spots in the state. It's been blocked up all summer, mudslides and uh, my favorite campsite also up west of Fort Collins, decimated by fires last year, getting crushed by um, flood debris anytime it rains there now. So it's pretty horrible, pretty crazy stuff as that continues. Um, but I've got some good news to share with everybody. Jeremy, I did something for you today and I'm very proud of it because we're going to have an awesome week coming up here. I volunteered to work this Saturday so I could have next Thursday wide open. I was looking at the calendar. I said, Jeremy, let's do it. And you did it. You booked the flight. You're coming out here next week. Cubs at Coors Field, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday afternoon. We are going to be at all three, and we're going to have an awesome time here. Who knows what that roster is going to look yeah. like once we get into August, but it doesn't matter. We're going to be at Cubs baseball at Coors Field, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to it as well. And, uh, you know, you said it, man. Who knows what that roster is going to look like next week. Uh, we got we got two days left right now. So uh, is KB going to be there? Probably not. Hopefully Rizzo, Baez, you know, I don't know. But well, it should be interesting and, and it should be some easy, relaxing Cubs baseball now that they're not really a threat. You're right. And it is a midweek game. It is, you know, getting into August here. The Rockies are not a very good team, although they're pretty competitive at home. I'm surprised just at ticket prices for next week. It's much lower than it's been in the last couple of years. Cubs draw very well here in Denver. It will be well-attended games. There's going to be a ton of blue in the ballpark, but I'm getting the sense here. 
In addition to it being midweek, that drives down prices a little bit. There's just not that same emphasis around it. So we're going to save a couple of dollars. We're still going to get some good seats. And uh, it's great because the last time the Cubs were in town, I was at the ballpark with both of you. Randall was there. Jeremy was there. Things were going great. Our buddy Ryan drove in in a, in a uh, what was that truck he was a in? A spaceship. He drove in <laughs> yeah. a, a spaceship, a Star Destroyer. Basically a star destroyer. He took across Nebraska to get here to Colorado. We had an unbelievable time. Well, most of us did. Randall was pretty pissed off. The Cubs lost two or three. I was also a little under the weather at the time. He was very under the weather. We took Randall up to 14,000 feet, and that was the beginning of the end for him. He never quite recovered from that. Um, So that was put a bit of a damper on it. But uh, Jeremy, start hydrating now. Get ready for it. We're going to have some fun, though. It's always good uh, to to be able to see Cubs games, especially we've been going to games for, you know, 20 years together. But um, I feel like there's a change in the organization right now, right? Some guys are leaving. This is the beginning of almost a new era in Cubs baseball. It'll be fun to share that with you at, at what really is a fun ballpark, especially for a couple of games. Expect high scoring games, bullpens getting blown up. Uh, it's never a dull moment, let's say, at Coors Field. No, I'm very excited. And uh, if we're going to have to start going back into a 2011 to 2014 era type teams, it should be interesting to see the start of it. Um, yeah, but, uh, Colorado always a good place to see a game. You know, we've done that the last four or five years since you've moved out there. So yeah, I'm very excited to go out there and see the Cubs in uh, Colorado. We got to start working to you, Jeremy. There are some restaurants yeah. that, uh, you've not been to that I've been nope. mentioning all the time. So we got to figure out where you haven't been and eat and some elk, eat some elk. Yeah. We'll, we'll make sure you get some jalapeno get cheddar some elk. Wings. And some big time hot wings fire on the mountain. That's the spot here uh, in Denver. If you're looking for wings, but looking forward to it. We'll have a lot more to talk about that. And um, who knows again, what that Cubs roster is going to look like uh, Cubs, not the only team making moves here at the trade deadline. Um, a hot one today, just before we went to record Joey Gallo, taking that big bat out to New York, short porch and right field. He gets set to the Yankees for six prospects but jeremy how appealing is that joey gallo with that right field it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch what he does the second half of the year yeah it's gonna be definitely be a lot of uh, fun to watch not just joey gallo but aaron judge and john carl stanton probably working his way back to be out there now this one's a little bit for randall uh there is i did just see a tweet uh, not too long ago about the fact that the yankees uh, executives are a little frustrated or a little wary right now because the tweet is not, or the, excuse me, the trade has not actually been finalized, even though it's been reported on. So they're still working into trying to, and they're still working on trying to get the trade done. Uh, names have been exchanged. They're deep in making a deal, but it has not been finalized. Um, but uh, you know, Joey Gallo, that's, you know, Ken Rosenthal was saying the other day that he's the most coveted guy on the market in terms of position players. Uh, he's still got another year left. He's actually a pretty decent fielder for such a big guy like that. Uh, you know, so he could play out there in the outfield. Maybe, maybe you move a judge or a Stanton. You, you have him DH a little bit when they come back. So uh, it should be a, he should be a fun addition to a team that's, you know, they're fighting for the second wild card right now. They're kind of out of their division. Uh, so, you know, and I had the Yankees, you know, winning it all at the beginning of the start of the year. Uh, so we'll see how they're able to, to, uh, you know, play the second half of the season with a big stud like Joey Gallo. Jeremy, it's funny you mentioned maybe they move Judge. It's funny because uh, Aaron Judge was actually out of the Yankees lineup tonight, and some of their beat reporters were saying they weren't sure why and they they weren't sure where he was. And that was right around the time that news of the ostensible Gallo trade broke. And I'm thinking, did they trade Judge for Gallo, even though that makes absolutely no sense? Um, you know, as and then this is 
I well, realized I meant contra- to like DH. I didn't mean trade. Well, I, 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 that's why I said it didn't make any sense. But I realize this is contradictory. But as much as I hate the rumors, I, I love the concept of the hug watch. I love it. Unironically. I love it when a guy gets pulled from the, from the lineup or gets pulled from the game and you're wondering, oh, is he hurt? Is he getting traded? And then the reporters say, no, he's not hurt. And it just goes full blast from there. Uh, finding that Gallo was scratched from the starting lineup five, ten minutes before they started their game tonight, that's great. I love and it. that he didn't have COVID, like Trey and Turner? That he did yeah. not have COVID, yeah, because right now you're not sure why a guy might have gotten pulled. Um, it reminds me of 2019 where Nick Castellanos was in the on-deck circle to take an at-bat for the Tigers. And seconds before that happened, they pulled him back and Ken Rosenthal let us know that he was, in fact, to be a Chicago Cub. So as much as I hate the rumors, once it's done and once it's ready to go, I love it. I love the hug watch. I do. Well, it, it's definitely dramatic TV. Um, it gets tough, though, at times. Sometimes you see guys crying in the dugout. Yeah, I was going to say, seen... the worst of it was Wilmer Flores. Wilmer yeah, Flores crying is on not the happy. Field. And he That's didn't tough. actually get traded because the trade never like the trade never went through, but it was reported on before the physicals, and they just let him out there crying. And Terry, I just remember Terry Collins being like, nobody told me anything. And he, like, Terry Collins was like, I don't even know what's going on. Yet Wilbur Flores is crying on the field because somebody showed him a tweet. You know, the fans are giving him a standing O. So that's a pretty difficult uh, situation sometimes to be in. Here's another trade, Randall. I thought of you when I saw it go through. The Pittsburgh Pirates, anytime they're doing anything, you come to mind. Adam Frazier having a wonderful year. The infielder goes to the San Diego Padres. You talk about a lineup that's already stacked. Jake Cronenworth also having a wonderful season. What did you make of seeing the Pirates infielder going out west to the Padres? Well, the, the Pirates cashed in ostensibly on a really good first half for Adam Frazier. I don't think he's quite that good, but he is a, a decent enough contact hitter and can play all over the diamond for you. It seems like the return was kind of light for him. I know they got back uh, the infielder. Jeremy, you're going to have to help me out on the name here. He, he shares the name with his hometown in Venezuela. Oh, Marcano. Yes, they, they got back the infielder Marcano, who hasn't done much in a, a small sample size for the Padres this year, but he was OPSing about 800 at AAA. So I guess that's an okay get. They'll probably promote him sooner versus later. And I believe they only got back one other player in, uh, in that trade. And, you know, it just seems a little light. It seems like Adam Frazier had had such an, an overproductive first half of the season and it seems like the Padres didn't give up a whole lot for him. And that just seems to be the theme of their trades. They got Snell and Darvish in the offseason without giving up any of their top 10 prospects. And now they got a guy who can lead off for them. He can play just about anywhere they need him to play. And they got him without giving up a whole lot. So it just seems like some, some GMs, some front offices have this real knack for getting really solid pieces without giving up anything of any real value. It's a little frustrating sometimes. It feels like the Cubs are, are never on the the uh, the giving or never on the receiving end of those trades. So it feels like they're on the giving end of those trades sometimes, but recently it has not felt like they're on the receiving end of those trades. Well, I, I don't think Adam Frazier, I, mean, I know he had the see, uh, he's been off to a hot start this season, but I, I expect him to fade a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, this absolutely. Second half. That, so that's I, what I'm saying. I don't, I don't really, think... well, yeah. So I don't, I, I don't really think this is, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect him to get back a big haul. Marcano um, is a decent He's had some decent performance in the minor leagues. He's still pretty sure he's young. a he's a decent player. Well, I mean, Adam Frazier is not really anything special. <laughs> that, that, I mean, um, that's true. Adam Frazier is also a, a decent player. So in that so, regard, it's it's probably pretty even. It I just mean, seemed I, like a, I, a light return. I 
I okay. Um, and the interesting thing to me about this Padres trade is not uh, is more just the fact that they acquired a guy. They have so many guys already. What does that mean about Eric Hosmer? They're talking about possibly trading Eric Hosmer. Uh, I think that's pretty fascinating, especially you know how much money Eric Hosmer has left on his contract. Um, you know, Boston apparently has been a team that's interested in getting a first baseman. You know, we talked about Rizzo, Hosmer's on that list. So I, I think that's pretty interesting for what this now means for what the Padres are going to do, especially since they're also, you know, still trying to go after Max Scherzer too. And yeah, we're in the it, Joey Gallo talks. And we're in the Joe and they were in the Joey Gallo talks. Yeah. Eric Hosmer, when they signed him to that contract, you know, it was great that a player got that big of a contract, better the money go to a player than to the owners. But as far as his offensive performance, it, you know, it, it's, it's not great. And he, he's OPSing 712 this year. He has an OPS plus right at 100. So he's perfectly league average and he's owed a lot of money. He, he is owed a great deal of money. I'm just not sure how he'd help the Red Sox. I know they need a first baseman, but it just seems like for what the, the Padres are probably going to ask, unless there's a lot of money, uh, changing hands it just seems like it's not a trade that makes sense because you're not getting back that great of a player uh but that's what this time of year is for is teams can negotiate around and and navigate around what they need and what they're willing to do to get it and we'll we'll see what a lot of teams decide here in the next uh less than two days now Something we're hearing too with the Padres is, you know, packaging Hosmer with a top prospect because whatever team would be acquiring Hosmer, you got like $60 million still for a guy who is a below average first baseman. I mean, worse than that, he's, he's uh, a problem. He's not helping your team win. So I got to throw the hypothetical out there, Randall. Would you do a trade with the Padres that meant Hosmer and maybe some money comes back to the Cubs if it meant someone like Robert Hassel, one of the top prospects in baseball, would be coming to the north side? I'm not against that in principle. I'm against that in, in execution because it means Rizzo is gone and I'm not ready for Rizzo to be gone. But I'm, I'm not against that. That's what the Cubs should be doing. We're lamenting that they don't spend. We're chastising them for not spending. Um, do what you need to do to get a top prospect back in that deal. If you're going to take on um, some of Hosmer's contract, even if the Padres are going to pay down some of that, do what you have to do to get a, a, a top prospect out of that. And there's word that the Cubs kicked in some money on the Chafin deal to increase that prospect return. And that's what they should be doing. If you're not going to spend that money on free agents or extending your own players, like you should be throw some of it around and get back a, a better prospect return in these deals. Uh, the numbers on Hostmer's remaining contract are not pretty, although they're not as bad as they could be. He is owed 20 million next season, but he's only only owed 13 million a season 2023, 2024, 2025. It's not as bad as it could be. He's only making 20 million for one more year. That's still a lot of money to pay for a, a league average to below league average first baseman. So in, in theory, I'm not against that in practice going from Rizzo to Hosmer, boy, that'd be from, that'd be like <laughs> going from Oreos to the, the store brand sandwich cookies. And I'm not talking Hydrox here. I'm talking like the, the signature select brand, sandwich cookies here it would be a rough downgrade you know oreos were the knockoffs hydrox came first yeah well you know hydrox should have marketed better i can't help that the only oreos worth eating are double stuff oreos and i will um, take that not the rainbow my grave no rainbows the Golden. the vanilla ones are okay you know there's a, there's a lot stuff. of good there's a lot of good oreo varieties like the out there stuff. i like i like uh the, the light-colored Oreos, I like the birthday cake. Oh, there's some good flavors out there, but Ronan, you're not wrong. You need double stuff no matter what you're doing. That makes it worthwhile. 
Jeremy, here's a trade yesterday that uh, tickled your stone Gossard. Let me put it that way. Tickled uh, my stone Gossard. Tickled your stone Gossard. Kendall Graveman, one of the top relief pitchers in all of baseball, one of the best back-end arms that was available here at the deadline. Unique trade here. Seattle very much in the playoff picture right now. They trade him to a division opponent that they are chasing in the division. This did not make that Seattle clubhouse happy this week. No, it did not at all. Uh, you know, not only are they chasing them, but they were just and they're in the middle of a series with them, and they just had a monster uh, game the night before where they came from behind. They hit an awesome walk, or not walk off, but awesome go ahead, uh, grand slam. You know, Scott Service was going nuts. Uh, you know, the former Cub Brooks Braley, uh, you know, nailed J.P. Crawford, I believe. Uh, in the back and, and Dusty and service were yelling at each other. It was all craziness that night. And the next night you trade your, your, your closer to the, that team across the dugout, across the field uh, that's, you know, a few games up on you. So I can understand that. I can understand why the players would be frustrated. You know, I, I remember that when the Cubs were making some trades, you know, uh, Jeff Samarja was like frustrated about how he's going to help us win. And everybody was kind of mocking Jeff Samarja because, you know, these guys are going to come and be the world series team in 2016. And Jeff Samarja is not going to be there, but like when you're a player and you're in the moment, you're fighting to win. Like, so if somebody's trading away your guy, that, that would be frustrating for you, especially as reportedly, you know, Jerry DePoto didn't really talk to anybody about this beforehand, but I actually understand the move from Jerry DePoto's uh, perspective. I don't believe the, Mariners are for real. They kind of have a fluky kind of, you know, record in one run games. They have a negative run differential. They weren't really expected to be there. Now, one thing you could argue is that the fact that you are there, those wins are already banked. You could do the opposite. You could be trying to acquire pieces to, you know, make your talent as good as your record should be for the future. You could argue that, but it's also, you know, this is a team. They have a lot of guys coming up. Jared Kelnick, uh, Julio Rodriguez, guys that they think are going to be major contributors. So they're going to try to focus on the future a little bit. So I get the trade. To me, it's the Houston part of it. While you're playing them, it's like, you know, you want to trade them to the Phillies, or the Braves, or whoever wants. I mean, it's not like Kendall Graven's a special guy. We all The Cubs passed on him for $3 million. They, they had an option. They're like, we don't want this. So Kendall Graven's has issues, but he, trading him to the division, that's just it's just a hard pill to take if you're a fan or, and if you're a Mariner, that it's just very hard to do. It's very much an optics thing. And I'm sure Mariners fans were just absolutely losing it. The clubhouse, as Jeremy said, was reportedly really unhappy uh, to the point of accusing the front office of not caring about them one bit, not caring about the team. Yeah. It, it's terrible optics to, to trade your best reliever across the hallway to the team leading your division by a wide margin. It, it just looks bad. Again, you can make it make baseball sense if you look at it the right way. It just looks terrible. And sometimes that's important. It's not always the most important thing, but sometimes you do have to, you, you have to look, how is this going to look? And, you know, maybe that's not necessarily Jerry DePoto's job. And it isn't. You know, if that's a trade that he feels is worth making, he can't wait until after the series is over. Somebody could get hurt. The other team could move on and the deal falls apart. But it, it just looks terrible. So you have to feel for the Mariners players who were reportedly very unhappy about it. I would argue, though, it should be a little bit part of his job, you know, making sure the clubhouse is happy, making sure, yeah. guys, especially guys that you plan on having around long term, Absolutely. Or, it's, it's you know, signing the- guys. You don't want guys 
going out and signing free agents. They're like, why would I want to go there? Their GM's a dick, you know, or whatever. It's it's not that it shouldn't be part of his job. It shouldn't be the controlling factor. It shouldn't be the driving factor. Yeah. He should absolutely consider it, but it shouldn't be the driving factor. And also, you you know, you don't want your fan. I mean, the fans will be there when if they're if they start winning, the fans will come. Yeah. But you know, you, you still go through some tough times with the fans. So it's just it's just a huge. It's like you you think if you're gonna make that trade, and maybe that's the best trade offer they got. And maybe as Randall said, they got it in the moment, and you got to pull on it. But it just it just feels like you know you could have made that trade to somebody else. Somebody else might have been interested besides Houston. Two two things I want to throw into this conversation. One, Graveman, wonderful name for it, like a top relief pitcher. It's yeah, just very is. final. It's you know, Graveman comes out. It's like ah, crap. This game's over. We're not winning this one. You know. Number two, being out west here. One of the downsides is everything is so damn early. Like even football games in the football season, it's like it's 10 a.m. What's going on here? Why are, why are things starting all that? Um, I see a lot of the Mariners because I catch games after work. I'm finally kind of slowing down. Mariners are a very fun team to watch right now. They play in a beautiful ballpark. They've got young hitters all over the lineup. And this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 20 years in a big market full of really good baseball fans. So I'm not saying that they were playing in front of full house. Houses at what is it? T-Mobile is that what you called it earlier, Randall? It's, it's I think T-Mobile. of it as Safeco. No, yeah. I agree. I think of it as Safeco. It is T-Mobile, T-Mobile Park right now. The New Kingdom, let's call it that. Sure. The fans that are there the that are Ichiro into built. it. Yeah, the house that Ichiro built. It, it's it's been a lot of fun watching those games. And Actually, those Griffey of you is the real guy, but that's okay. Really? Yes, it's really great. Uh, but with an MLB TV subscription, you that's a team that if you're if you're up late, put on the Mariners a little bit. They're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and uh, that's a team that it's been a long time since they've had a playoff. But the last time, Randall, they made the playoffs. They won 116 games, didn't win the pennant, didn't win the World Series that year. Uh, but who would have thought that uh, that magical year, Itro's rookie season, 2001, great year for the Cubs, that that was the last hurrah really for the Mariners. I think that is a massive stain on ownership that a franchise like that can be just so bad for so long. It's it's really embarrassing. I mean, the Mariners, you would say, is are the most mediocre franchise probably in all of baseball. I've I mean, said it about the Mariners every every season. You can count on them at the trade deadline to be right there in the hunt for the second wild card, five games back behind like three other teams. They're 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 seldom just completely in the cellar, but they're never really in it. And it, that has to be just the most maddening spot as a fan, because you feel like if the front office would just commit a little bit of resources, trade for a couple guys, bring in a couple guys, you could be right there only two games out of that second wild card behind only two other teams. So uh, Jeremy put it perfectly. They are the most middle of the road franchise in the sport. And that has to be just maddening that you can't be bad enough to, to really draft well, and you can't be good enough to be competitive. There's no aimless, directionless. Randall, you know what else is awesome about the Mariners? Scott Service. Their manager, the former Cubs backstop, he was jawing at Dusty Baker's Astros uh, coaching staff earlier this week. It was very, very entertaining to see them cursing each other out. I love that. Mm-hmm. And to see meaningful baseball this time of the year in Seattle, that is good for the sport. So I'm all for it. Love to see Seattle make a push here and get into the playoffs. And who knows? You know, the best team doesn't always win the World Series. Get in there. Who knows what can happen? I said this earlier. Randall, there's a decent shot here of a Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago White Sox World Series. I worry that would be the end of you. So uh, for your sake, I hope that doesn't happen. You know, I'm not overly concerned about it, but I also have the 
option of just disconnecting at that point. Like I, I know you don't view the sport this way and that's perfectly fine. I view the sport in a very zero sum fashion. If I'm not getting what I want from the world series, I'll just tune it out. If it's a matchup that I legitimately cannot stomach, I will, I will, you know, take the week off and I'll come back for the off season. It's a zero sum game for me. I need to be made happy or at least need to be made entertained by the World Series matchup. And, you know, if I if I can't get that, like if the Cardinals are in there and they look like they're about to win, I'm, I'm not going to get any happiness out of Have that. Have you thought about not holding so much hatred? Uh, no, no, that <laughs> so has never enjoy things. No, that has never occurred to me. <laughs> I, that's got to be the worst possible scenario, though, Randall, this year, given who's likely to make the playoffs. Milwaukee, Chicago, that, that's that got to be as bad as it gets for you. That would be pretty close to unwatchable, I would say. That would be root for the uh, the home team to lose every game. Um, to try and salvage something out of that. You try to look at it glass half full. One fan base will be heartbroken yeah. that's, to that's get what I'm that going close. For. So you've that's got what that I'm going for. Too. So hopefully your prediction does not ring true. And hopefully I am not subjected to that after what is going to be a difficult midseason. Hopefully I'm not subjected to what would be a difficult postseason. Well, the Brewers got better. Eduardo Escobar, uh, power throughout a third baseman who can play all over the infield, goes from, I like to call them the Phoenix desert snakes randall that's what i call the arizona diamondbacks i've, I've called them Milwaukee. certain things too but nothing You've called them far more offensive things than that uh this makes the brewers though a better team i mean that's a big time power bet he's an older player he's 32 this isn't really maybe a long-term investment for the brewers but for now they get a big bat and that's what this team really needed as much as anything right now jeremy they needed a bat and they got it in escobar Definitely. And it's a guy that, you know, a month ago, Bob, Bob Nightingale was saying was on his way to the White Sox. So the White Sox, <laughs> you know, not pulling off that trade, I guess, a month ago. But uh, Eduardo Escobar, you know, the Brewers, they've been surprising. I They really never kind of let up. They took two out of three against the White Sox last weekend. So their pitching is great. We've said it all along that their pitching is dominant. But what's going to be their offense? You know, Christian Yelich. It's not been great like he was in the past. He's had some injuries. He just got COVID. He's out 10 days at least. So we'll see there. But do you add an Eduardo Escobar? The trade for Willie Adams has, you know, been great for them. Uh, Colton Wong was a great addition for them. Guys are starting to hit. So, you know, they're going to win this division. They're going to win it. Uh, they'll probably win it going away. I, I don't really think the Reds are going to make things interesting there uh, or the Cardinals and certainly not the C Cubs. So, you know, they, they should be gearing up for the playoffs and they have the they have the pitching staff to go deep into the playoffs. So uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. And, and Dave, I'm, I'm going to be honest. David Stearns has done a fantastic job as the general manager of the Brewers since he's gotten there. And so I expect them to make a bunch of moves and it seems like a lot of their moves work out. So we'll see how good this team is uh, come playoff time. And the, the main piece going from Milwaukee back to the uh, Phoenix Desert Snakes in that trade is 26 year old Cooper Hummel, which is an extremely brewer's name. Like, of course they have a, <laughs> of course they had a Cooper Hummel just lying around. He is 26, primarily a corner outfielder. He has done a little bit of catching and a little first base. Uh, he's OPSing uh, 942 at AAA for the brewers this year, six homers, 15 driven in on base at 435. So he's done some work in AAA this year, but he is a little old for the level. Um, and he probably profiles as a corner outfielder at best. So again, another guy, he was rule five eligible, I believe in the off season, anybody could have taken him again. It seems like the Brewers once again, got a, uh, a useful piece, even if it is just a rental player for not a whole lot, continuing the theme of the D backs, giving useful players to the NL central in exchange for very little. 
I, see, I disagree with all these takes. I, I don't believe this, these are true. I mean, you look at, first of all, Carson Kelly has been a great player for the Diamondbacks. With Gold he Smith. has. He has. Carson and Kelly's been very good for them. Say, and, uh, you know, I, you get an Eduardo Escobar who's 32 years old. He's just a he's a, a bat who's not a great le- a left fielder. You're not getting anything right. much back for him. No, like, you're not, but he's still going to so make you, that team better, and they still didn't have to give up a whole lot. So you're right. But the, I mean, the Cubs have done trades like this when they were good all the time. This is just how it works. I mean, I'm, exa- you never I'm know exaggerating. Who's be good. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, when the 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 Diamondbacks traded Paul Goldschmidt, however many off seasons ago that was, it felt like they gave up a bunch of they they got back a bunch of spare parts in exchange for an all star first baseman. I realize it hasn't borne out that way completely. Carson Kelly has pitched very well for them, and uh, Luke Weaver catcher. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did I say pitched very well? Carson Kelly has played very well for them. He is injured right now. And some of those pieces have proven to be useful players, but it, it just it just how these trades feel. And I realize how they feel is not the reality. I realize it seldom is, but it feels like whenever there's not a top prospect involved and more for Goldschmidt than for half a season of Eduardo Escobar, you're not going to get me on that. It just feels a lot of the time like, big players are changing hands in exchange for not a whole lot in the way of prospect currency. And again, I freely admit that is not necessarily the cold, hard reality of it. It, It's just the perception of it sometimes. Any other um, trades I've missed here? Uh, So elsewhere, yeah, elsewhere uh, this week and at the tail end of last week, Nelson Cruz, the ageless wonder, the power hitting DH, he goes from the Minnesota Twins down to the Tampa Bay Rays. And of course, he homered in his first game with them. Uh, So, you know, good for him. He's 41 and he's still out there DHing and, and hitting bombs. Just today, outfielder Starling Marte, the former Pirate and the current Marlin and now current Oakland Athletic, he ends up there. And this was interesting because... Uh, Oakland traded uh, their top pitching pitching prospect, Jesus Luzardo, for uh, for Starling Marte. And, you know, Luzardo was highly touted. He hasn't quite produced in the major leagues yet. He was at AAA. That's that's a pretty big get for Miami because they are building around what is an increasingly talented pitching staff. That's a decent get for them. And I know Luzardo's had his struggles at multiple levels this year, but he's still, I believe, only 23. And there's a lot of pedigree there. So that's a significant get for them. Um, so those are the two trades that have stood out to me that we did not cover. Dick Mountain going to the Mets. Uh, you know, how can I forget Rich Hill? Yes, he, he gets traded too. Uh, Jesus Luzardo, the GOAT. Uh, some people will get that. Some people won't. Uh, that, that is actually an interesting trade because the Marlins will um, be – uh, have a, a rotation, you know, Sandy Alcantara that they got from Marcelo Zunifer from the Cardinals. Sixto uh, uh, Sanchez they got from Philly from the for JT Real Muto. I mean, they built together this rotation that's just young, hard throwers, and they're willing to. It's funny, Barlins are willing to buy a, a pitcher here in Jesus Luzardo for $4.5 million as they're sending Marte to Oakland. Uh, that's going to be a rotation that you're going to have to deal with, and the Cubs have had issues with it the last two years. Uh, they might not have the offense yet, but Derek Jeter might be building something down there. He's building a, a basket. He's building a basket of pitchers. <laughs> and and Kim Ng uh, doing amazing oh, work Ng as a general manager. The Exactly right. The uh, first female general manager in Major League Baseball history. And, and we'll see if she can build a winner in Miami. One of Randall's favorite images, winners in Miami, teams that he has long loved over the years here. Uh, quick rapid fire thing here. Just a couple of names. I'm going to throw them out. Uh, MLB dot com put out a story today like these are the names to look for to get traded here in the next couple of days i just want to grab a couple of them and all i'm asking for 
is what team will they be playing for on August 1st? And it could be the team they're currently on. I just kind of want to know where you are sitting with this right now. For each of these names, start with Randall, then Jeremy second, uh, and I will go last. Craig Kimbrell, the Cubs closer, Randall, where will he be August 1st? Padres. I'm going to say, I'm going to also kind of be like Randall a little bit, but different. I'm going to say the Red Sox. I'm going to go with the Padres. I want to see that happen. I want to see him down there. Um, I like San Diego. It'd be cool to see them pull it off. The biggest starting pitcher name, Nationals right-hander, Max Scherzer. Randall, where is he August 1st? Ooh, that is a tough one. Go to Jeremy first. I need an extra 10 seconds on this one. I'm going to say the Dodgers. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Padres too. Wow. San Diego going all in. Uh, I'll go with the Dodgers too. I think they've got a a real hole right now in Trevor Bauer. Don't know that he's going to pitch again, not just this year, but maybe ever in the majors. Who knows how this is going to shake out. I think they need to make that splasher to defend their world series championship. I see him going to the Dodgers. Randall buckle up here. Chris Bryant. Where's he August 1st against every bit of my better judgment, the Phillies. Wow. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to go out and I'm going to be, I'm going to say he is on August 1st. He's going to be in Washington, D.C. playing for the Cubs. Awesome. I hope so. I hope so. Um, I don't think he will be. I think he's going to be a San Francisco Giant. And if that means Joey Bart's coming back, and I don't know that that's the only thing the Cubs would be doing there. Um, that may be how it is, but I could see him going to San Francisco. They've really solidified themselves as one of the top teams in the National League. They've got money. They're going to do everything they can to go out and win a World Series. Here's a guy, Jeremy, maybe we're going to see next week. Maybe we're not. Randall, Colorado Rockies shortstop Trevor Story. Where is he on August 1st? I think he stays with the Rockies. I'm going to say I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say, I'm surprised, a little surprising thing. I'm going to say he's on the south side of Chicago playing second base for the Chicago White Sox. Wow. Wow, I am with you, Randall, and I don't think this is the right decision for the Rockies, but they are a entire mess. Entire organization, they've got an interim GM that they're probably going to hire on as the full-time GM. I think they're hanging on to Trevor's story, and I think that we're going to see him, Jeremy, next week at Coors Field. Now, if he, uh, does, let- if he does go to the White Sox, Ronan, you noted he'll barely have to change his jersey because they are nearly identical. That's something I was walking down the street here and uh, there were two jerseys in front of me. It was a Chicago White Sox jersey on the right, Chicago White, uh, Denver, Colorado Rockies jersey in the middle. They're walking right next to each other. And I was looking at it going, this is the same jersey from the back. You wouldn't even know the difference. Obviously, the White Sox jersey predates the Rockies one. So you saw who poached from who there. Uh, But that's one of the complaints I have about the Rockies. I think they need to get a little bit more unique branding maybe when it comes to their jerseys. I like their logo. I just think the Jersey is a bit of a rip off of what the white Sox have and look up the home uniforms to get a sense of how similar those two uniforms are. Uh, any other names that you think I haven't mentioned MLB didn't mention that you think is going to be on the move here on August 1st, maybe throw one out there. If anything comes to mind, I think Zach Davies goes to the Mets. Okay. Ooh. Jeremy. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any like real major name that I we I can see being moved. I feel like uh, uh, I I don't know. I I think I I, I there's going to be a surprise, and I don't know what the surprise is. Um, I I don't think uh, I don't think it will be quiet. I I don't feel like all the major. Obviously, there'll be trades uh, up until the deadline, but I think there will be some a major trade of a guy that we're not expecting to be traded. I don't know who it is. Um, but I expect to see somebody go that will all be like, wow, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, one name that I'll throw out 
Kyle Schwarber, I think, is mm. going to be on the move. Uh, lots of teams could use a bat like that, especially in the American League, if you got the designated hitter. Um, who knows what else the Yankees are going to be doing, too, as they're really trying to make something work in the uh, east there. So lots to keep an eye on. If any significant news breaks here pertaining to the Cubs, uh, we'll give it a chance to sort of percolate uh, we're not going to be breaking any news on this podcast but we'll pop in we'll do an emergency podcast here in the next couple of days just if something significant if bryant's on the move if Baez, rizzo Contreras, Hendricks, uh, any name like that ends up being moved we'll hop on it we'll talk about it and um, we'll kind of take it from there but i'm i want to be thinking about you randall over the next 48 hours this is tense and I, you know jeremy you sent this to the group last night in a text this Chris Bryant thing, it really sucks. Like, just give the guy an extension. You lock him up. He's a Cub, maybe for the rest of his career. You said this to us last night. You were spot on. He's sending out every signal he could that he'd be more than happy to stay in Chicago if they can make a legitimate offer to him. I'd love to see it happen. I think he's going to be gone. I don't expect him in a uniform on August 1st. Maybe he comes back in free agency. I wouldn't ever bank on that, though. Uh, but it's just frustrating that we're at this point that you've got this wonderful player who's been such an important part of the franchise, and they're probably not going to pay him really a reasonable offer for the next six, seven, eight years. I'm actually curious about how tomorrow is going to work. Um, if Chris Bryant isn't traded yet, uh, it's a getaway day. It's a 120 game. What have you? Does Chris Bryant get on a flight? Like, I assume he does um, to fly to Washington, D.C. And then if he's in D.C., I mean, can you imagine if they train him to San Francisco? <laughs> That'd be kind <laughs> of. Uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't know where San Francisco's playing this weekend, but still, uh, that would be kind of uh, ridiculous. So I feel like this kind of a, if I'm Chris Bryant and you're going to trade me, trade me before, you know, the flight tomorrow or we're flying to D.C. Don't don't wait till deadline day on Friday. The Giants are home this weekend. Yeah. Dusty Baker going to be out in the uh, bay there, back to his old uh, spot. Uh, he'll be uh, there for an Astros-Giants. Wow, two teams with more than 60 wins. That, that's going to be a heck of a weekend. Um, and who knows, maybe KB will be in the bay. Randall, what do you got? Uh, Dusty's son, Darren, whom we all remember from the the moment at home plate in the, uh, the I believe, the 2002 World Series, was just drafted in the MLB draft recently. So they can fly him in and stand him out at home plate with Dusty in the ballpark, and they can they can have a tribute to Dusty's time in San Francisco that way. It's hard to believe, man. That was 2002. You're right on. Uh, iconic moment from a World Series, seeing that he was tiny. He must have been like yeah, four or five. Yeah, I mean, he was like way that. too young to be on the field, let alone and a World Series J- game. JT Snow and, yeah. averting very serious catastrophe there. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, him up they banned and it could have been ugly because, uh, you know, up until that point, they all those kids used to be in the which is kind of ridiculous. It's like, why for the World Series? They just let any kid into they would never let that in a regular season game. Why are they doing it in the biggest moment of, uh, you know, of baseball? And of course, and, you the know, immediate ban. People joke about bat boys and things. Uh, if you go to a major league baseball game, you actually watch what a bat boy does. They're very busy over the course of the game. They're, they're often sometimes also running out uh, extra things to umpires and players and pine tar. There's all the different stuff that they're going to be doing. It's not a job for a toddler to be out there doing, and it's dangerous. You're on a field, especially now. I mean, the game has changed in the last 20 years, but there is no business for a young child on a major league baseball field. I mean, you're going to get hurt if you're out there. And that was a, a pretty cringy moment for dusty. And you know what? He's had a few, over the years. Uh, but, you know, Dusty's also had an amazing career. If you look back on it, an incredible longevity, a real chance to win a World Series this year in Houston. And uh, that's kind of funny to think about that. He may get there, he may get the World Series, but to do it with Houston, 
there's always going to be that dark cloud with at least these guys involved with the Astros team. So who knows how it's going to play out. They've got the Giants this weekend. That'll be some good baseball, though. Definitely. All right. Anything else before we bring this one home? You know, it's, it's going to be a, a rough another day and a half or so by the time this particular podcast goes up. Just, you know, be good to yourself out there. Control what you consume. There's lots of ways to make it easier on yourself. It'll be over soon and whatever does happen will be done and we can process it. Just do what you need to do to, to, to take care of yourself, to process. It's going to be difficult. We're all going to get through it together. We are Cubs fans. We'll shout at each other. We hate each other, but we're all going to be sad to see certain players leave. So just be good to yourself. Be good to the people around you. Don't pick any fights. Don't uh, don't bite anybody who doesn't deserve it. That sort of thing. Unless they're Cardinals fans, right, Randall? Well, then they're not Cubs fans, Jeremy. I'm just saying. Well, and, and if I can add one note here, it's that uh, don't lose perspective on what we've been watching over the last six years. I agree with that. What the Cubs have done from really the last month of 2014, the last two months or so of 2014, but 2015, 16, uh, you know, you see a lot of people out on the internet and, you know, anybody can tweet, anybody can send something out into the world that may cross your timeline. But a lot of people expressing a lot of disappointment about the performance of these Cubs. And that's completely insane. One, they did exactly what they set out to do. That was win a world series. Not only that though, three opportunities to play in the final four NLCS appearances. You're talking about big time things here for the Chicago Cubs in this run. Yeah. The world series came in year two of the window. We were hoping maybe there'd be another one in the back end here, but again, don't lose perspective. What we have witnessed over the last six or seven years is some of the best baseball in the history of the Chicago Cubs going back to 1876. These players, however it ends here, over the next 20, 30, 40 years, we're going to see him at Wrigley Field. Someday we're going to see Anthony Rizzo with a cane walking out to the mound to throw I out a first so. pitch at Wrigley Field. I hope so. Yeah. But we're going to get these things, hopefully. I mean, but he's like 80, not like exactly. 34. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying these guys are going to be part of the lore of this franchise forever. So if you're under the impression that this group underperformed or didn't do what they were supposed to do, you are wrong. And you have not been paying attention to what has happened. Yeah, the last three years have been frustrating. We can talk about what's happened there. But this group, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, Contreras, this has been a world-class organization winning ball games. And let's remember them that way. Because anything else, it's horseshit, as Randall would say. And there's no space for it. This has been a great run of Cubs baseball. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, appreciating what we've had. If uh, Chris Bryant goes, if Anthony Rizzo goes, if uh, Javi Baez goes, you know, these are all special players who, who gave it their all for the Cubs. They did everything that, you know, you could even really ask them. They won the World Series. You know, Chris Bryant last night said he hopes someday in life he will get to come back to Wrigley Field and sing the seventh thing stretch. That's one of the things he wants to do. I so, think he's got that. I yeah. know. I will. I hope <laughs> so, can, too. Well, you never know. They probably find room for him at some point. When he, you know, he ends up like, Chris Chelios and ends up spending like 14 years for the Cardinals or something. He may not want to come back to Wrigley field, but uh, who knows? Uh, so a horrible you know, thing to say. I wait. Everybody thought Chris Chelios is going to retire and he ended up playing more years for the Red Wings. Than they did for the Blackhawks when they traded him. Um, so I don't know, but I, all I'm saying is, you know, these next two days, they're going to be interesting. They're going to be whatever. You're going to hear a lot of stuff, you know, 
I, I think there's going to be some interesting nuggets out there. You never know. It's just all about sifting the information, understanding that certain things are being put out there to certain people for certain reasons. But also, you know, you know, trusting certain sources, like some sources are actually doing legitimate reporting and trying to get ahead of uh, things and understanding which ones are not. And, you know, probably never trusting anything that Bob Nightingale says unless it's straight from Tony LaRusso's mouth or excuse me, <laughs> or Jerry Reinsdorf's mouth, I meant to say. Um, but, uh, you know, so it, it's just an interesting time. It'll be interesting. And if we get to three o'clock on Friday and, you know, guys are still on the team that we didn't expect to be there. That will be awesome, you know, and then we'll have to go through all this again in September when maybe that'll, that'll be the end, but who knows? Uh, I I've been preparing every game right now. I've been trying to watch because I feel like this could be the last time I see Chris Bryant, a Cubs uniform. So I'm trying yeah. to appreciate that as much as possible. All right. We got to run here. Randall is late for bed. We got to get him yep. tucked in. Uh, Jeremy. Drink some water. Start hydrating. It's going to be hot in Denver next week. We'll be back soon, folks, with edition number 30 of Behind the Yellow Line, a baseball podcast, hopefully with not too much bad news. We'll see what plays out here over the next two days. For Jeremy, for Randall, I am Ronan. Huxley also wishes you a good night. We'll see you next time on Behind the Yellow Line.